0: You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. There are two types of people in this world. There's the type that on September 19th, 1986, were ecstatic that the Oprah Winfrey Show premiered in syndication. And then there were the other group of people, people like you, like me, that were happy that Blue Velvet released in theaters. Because that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about this week on your Blast of the Past with 80s Revisited as we, for the first time ever cover a david lynch film mm. very timely with the uh new season of twin peaks coming out
1: on joe Dime.
0: Exactly. next week next week looking forward to it we'll get into that and more on this episode of 80s revisited and also talk about a highly recommended horror movie for you to check out that recently released so stay tuned for that right here on 80s revisited
1: Is '80s revisited? I'm your producer Jesse Sedgley, and now your host Trey Harris.
0: Mommy. <sighs> oh, mommy. 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 Mommy.
1: Baby wants to fuck.
0: Get ready to fuck! You fuckers, fucker! You fucker! Don't you fucking look at me! But you can listen to a very different episode of 80s Revisited (laughs) as we separate the men from the boys and the girls from the ladies as we talk about blue velvet.
1: I can't wait.
0: Of course, I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me, Jesse! Don't you fucking look at me! I'm your host, Trey Harris. <laughs> With me, as always, is my producer, Jesse Sedgley. 170 some episodes, and that's the first time that's happened.
1: Yes, I am.
0: <laughs> Jesse's watching me
1: record from
0: behind the closet window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> peeking I'm, at me I'm through the shutters.
1: Staring at a corner of the room. <laughs>
0: But yeah all right. Here we go Blue Velvet Released September 19th 1986 IMDb gives it a 7.8 Rotten Tomatoes 94% critics 88% audience This might be the highest rated film That we've done In terms of Rotten Tomatoes At least uh, Offhand Uh, Of course I'm not going to go back And look at all 170 plus films we've done To compare that fact But that's pretty high for both uh, simultaneous. I know we've had some nineties. We'll just leave
1: this playing in the background.
0: Might as well. It's, it's David
1: Lynch.
0: <laughs> uh, budget was estimated at six million. Opened at only seven hundred and eighty-nine thousand. However, number one that week.
1: <laughs> A little distracting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun. Top oh. Gun. In its nineteenth week of release, was number one. Oh, domestically went on to gross 8500000 <laughs> 8. million. Couldn't find information on worldwide rentals, but I'm sure it made a good bit of money in rentals because that's how I saw it. That's how most people probably saw it, uh, at least back in the day, in the 80s, I should say. Directed by the man of the hour, the man of the month, the man of the TV this year, because Twin Peaks is coming back. David Lynch himself, of course, Dune, Elephant Man, Twin Peaks, uh, Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, uh, a very prolific and, in my opinion, amazing Eccentric, amazingly eccentric director, uh, and very unique as well. Also wrote this, and he's written uh, along with Mark Frost a lot of Twin Peaks and uh, several other things. And starring, you're going to see a lot of the same names and people that you end up seeing in Twin Peaks in this film, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, But. The great Kyle McLaughlin, in my opinion, is Jeffrey Dune. Uh, most recently, Portlandia as the mayor. Always <laughs> great when he sh- shows up in those episodes. Uh, and the 80s sci-fi classic, The Hidden. He's been in a lot of stuff as well. Those are just uh, the main things I think of with him. Uh, unfortunately, he's also in Showgirls. I hate to say it. Mm. but uh, oh, oh, he's in The Doors, too. He was uh, Ray Manzarak in The Doors. Fantastic in that. Along with Val Kilmer, because we have, until last episode, I don't think we've mentioned Val for a while. Uh, but also starring Laura Dern as Sandy, of course, Jurassic Park, Mask, uh, The Mom in October Sky. Uh, Isabella Rosalini was Dorothy, uh, Death Becomes Her, Wyatt Earp, and Merlin, the TV miniseries, not the TV show, because there is a difference, because the Merlin TV show in the 90s starred Sam Neill and was amazing. It had Martin Short, uh, James Earl Jones was the voice of the Mountain, uh, star-studded TV miniseries. But... Uh, it's not on Blu-ray. I still have the DVD. Still phenomenal. It's, it's, it's a great uh, TV show, or miniseries, like I said. If you haven't seen it and you like swords and fantasy type stuff, highest possible recommendation. Uh, the effects are dated, but it's definitely worth seeing. And starring the late, unfortunately, but always great veteran of the podcast, Dennis Hopper. As the iconic, I think it's safe to say, Frank Booth in this film. Uh, most recently, of course, we talked about him on My Science Project, but also uh, mm-hmm. the villain in Speed uh, true Romance, uh, Easy Rider, of course, which he also directed, which I'm not a big fan of that film, but I understand its cultural significance and everything uh, that it stood for. Uh, Dean Stockwell is Ben. He was also in Dune. And most notably, as my wife quickly pointed out, uh, of course, he was uh, Sam... Uh, Sam, uh, Sam, that's the character. Uh, Sam, uh, what about Quantum Lee? Yeah, I couldn't think of it. Sam Beckett's sidekick, but the actor that plays him... <laughs> Oh, my God, because he was in an episode of Portlandia recently, too. Uh, oh, The guy that plays Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap. Oh, my God. i Complete, complete Yell it like, louder in your car, people. Scream it, please. I can't think of his goddamn name. Um, oh, my God. Scott Bakula. There you go, Scott Bakula. I not find the thing,
1: but I just... Jesus, thank you, Jesse. I used him as a lyric in one of the songs I made,
0: <laughs> so I just started singing that in my head. Scott Bakula. Name, Scott Bakula. Thank you. Thank you for saving me from fumbling. <laughs> but, yeah, of course, he was... Uh, uh, the sidekick in that. Uh, Frances Bay was Aunt Barbara. Uh, most notably, go uh, ahead. she returned in Twin Peaks and also Fire Walk With Me and also Karate Kid. But she was the grandma in Happy Gilmore behind the Gene Simmons mask. That was yep, her. That's where you've recognize. seen her before. Uh, another veteran of the podcast, Brad Dourif, was Raymond. Of course, Child's Play, Deadwood, and also again in Dune.
1: My grandma outlived Dennis Hopper. Really? Yeah, by the year.
0: Wow. Crazy. She, wow. God, jeez, Then... It's hard to believe Dennis Hopper's been dead since twenty what 2010? 2010, yeah wow I, I, he's one of those when I when I, when like when I watch this or when I you know, see Speed or something like that's like oh god oh yeah he's dead Jesus mm-hmm. yeah shame I mean course, everybody dies it's a journey we all take but yep. you know I'm sure he would have turned up in a comic book movie <laughs> he'd been some villain he would have been some galactic villain in Guardians of the Galaxy or something maybe but uh, running out the cast uh, Jack Nance is Paul uh, Twin Peaks again as well. Wrapped in plastic. That's him. Mm. Uh, Racerhead, Dune. Lynch uses him in practically everything. Much like uh, Tarantino, Scorsese, and uh, DiCaprio, Burton, and Depp, uh, David Lynch likes to use a lot of the same actors. Uh, And uh, let's get in, before we get into the film, let's talk about David Lynch for a bit. Uh, He's an acquired taste in film. Uh, Oh, for sure. He's a very polarizing filmmaker. Either you love him, or you hate him, or you just flat out don't get it. Not to say I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Now you'll meet people that are David Lynch fans, which I would you say I am. Got it. But they're on some big high <laughs> horse, like, oh yeah, that scene means this, and you know they'll go into all this huge depth about things. Well, if you read some of David Lynch's interviews, I admire him so much as a director because a lot of stuff people attribute to his style are accidents. For example, uh, in the in the season premiere in the the a pilot for Twin Peaks when they go to the autopsy room, uh, the light flickers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a complete, just, that's a grip issue. Mm. That wasn't planned, but he uses that. The actors, the skilled actors that he's using, go, you know, they make note of it and they keep going. It's organic, it happens. And then that becomes a Something. trope in Twin Peaks with, you know, electrical interference and stuff like that. You know, so, but I mean, he's done every. I mean, of course, you know, most people, when I think of David Lynch, I think of the variety of projects that he's done, such as Dune. I lo- you, a lot of people love it or hate it, and I love it. I mean, it's no Star Wars, let's be straight, but it's a David Lynch sci-fi epic. Sign me up. Uh, Elephant Man, Anthony Hopkins, I think William Hurt is... Is it William Hurt or John Hurt? One of them's the John Elephant Man. John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, fanta- Oscar-nominated uh, for Best Director, I believe, for that. Uh, very, very good film as well. Nominated for eight Oscars. Oh, wow. never didn't realize there was that many. But I'm sure he was best actor for yeah yeah he got nominated for it. I mean whether you love regardless, I'm going whether you love Lynch, hate him, or again just don't get him. You got to respect the guy to be. I mean if you can, most people can't even finish a Racerhead. But you know to be the kind of filmmaker that he is and have the track record and success that he's had. And, and some, some people might not even consider him to be a success because it's not like he's a big box office draw. He's a draw for a very specific audience. But he, he when you're watching a David Lynch film, you know you're watching a David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. And even even in Dune, even in The Elephant Man, there's, it, it's there subtly, which I think with Blue Velvet was his film where he's like, okay, I'm making my movie now. I'm, I wrote this. Like this is original. I mean he, you know, adapted Dune and, you know, other things like that. But he, this is written and directed by David Lynch. This is him unleashing what becomes to known to be, you know, a David Lynch style, a David Lynch film.
1: This is the one that does it. Well, before I started watching it, I didn't do any research. I just clicked on it and didn't know it was a David Lynch film. And as I was watching, that's when I realized this is a David Lynch film, isn't it? There <laughs> that's when I had to look There you out. go.
0: And it's, he's he's subtle with it. Yeah. In my opinion, um, and again, I, I, I'm I'm a film fan. I'm not a I'm not a film expert. I would never say that I am, but I've watched a lot of movies and I like to talk about them. Uh, you know, so there are people out there that can, you know, go into detailed analysis that have studied these films, and there is room for that. I'm not dismissing that, but uh, of course, this podcast is meant to be lighthearted, even though we're talking about Blue Velvet this week, <laughs> which if you finished it, you get a star. Because here's Jesse gets the first invisible star. Uh, a blue it, star. Yeah, it's a blue velvet star <laughs> that I cut from a dress from this woman <laughs> down the road from you. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, on with the show, so to speak. But uh, yeah, this, David, uh, it's needless to say, I did not see this film until I was in high school in the 90s. Hmm. Simply because around the time, uh, what year did Lost Highway come out? Uh, if you wouldn't mind, I know it had to be late, early, mid to late '90s, '97. Uh, Because Lost Highway, with its soundtrack was yeah. something that really kind of, at least here in Walker slash Baton Rouge, Louisiana, was like really big in my sect of friends. The sound, just the soundtrack for Lost Highway, and it's like you know that kind of spurred people oh, want to see the movie. You see, you hear the soundtrack, you want to see the movie. That was weird. Like that was interesting. David Lynch, I've seen, oh, he did do, you know, and then, of course, again, pre, this is pre-internet, or this is, this is young, young internet at this point. Mm -hmm. Most people probably, you know, this is AOL, you've got mail. Right. Type internet. You know, so this is just the beginning of, you know, being able to easily find things that are new to you. You know, there wasn't some crazy old man in the neighborhood like, yeah, you need to watch this film, kid. You know, there wasn't anything like that. So Lost Highway for, I mean, now I knew what Twin Peaks was, I had seen Twin Peaks, but I didn't know Lynch as anything other than Dune, which even as a kid, he didn't have his name on it. In the, theater, in the versions that you had on VHS, it was Alan Smithy because he wanted his name taken off of it because of the studio interference and that kind of thing.
1: Side note his hair. He's always had the same style of hair. And now, like, a lot of people have that style. Yeah, he was ahead hair. of his time. Yeah, way ahead. Because, like, everybody goes with that look if they can pull it off now. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> I wish I had that hair. I wish I had his hair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's like Kurt Russell. He's blessed with just like good Fold, hair. yeah. You know, you wear a hat, you take it off, your hair's done. Yeah. You know, some people are blessed. But uh, yeah, in terms of the film world of David Lynch, like, the, at least in my experience, it was Lost Highway was the entry point in terms of, again, not talking about Dune or Elephant Man, I'd seen those years before, but in terms of Blue Velvet, you know, and then leading into Mulholland Drive and the resurface, uh, revisiting Twin Peaks. On VHS and all sorts of stuff, and that was the entry. Lost uh, was the entry because of the soundtrack. Because again, even as loose as my video store was to like let me rent Friday the Thirteenth, I wouldn't have gotten away with renting Blue Velvet mm. at that time. A ch- a, a young kid, t- uh,
1: hearing that noise coming from the next room. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, and granted, as again, you know, when when you're, you're alright, when you're growing up in the '80s and you go to that video store, again, akin to looking at a Netflix queue of, oh, of right, screenshots, yeah. like what interests you. Blue Velvet. I did I, I paid that, no. no attention to it when it came out. Obviously, because no, it's not. It looks like
1: a romantic movie.
0: Yeah, and it is in its own way. Right. You know. You know. But,
1: in a, <laughs> in, but uh, not the kind I'm thinking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, you, you. I mean, you look at this poster. Like, wow, this is interesting. Oh, I bet it's wow, bri- brilliant and unsettling. Hmm, what does that mean? And the a love script story
1: and blue blue velvets in that classic script.
0: You know, it looks like it looks like a uh, Elizabeth Taylor. It looks like a romantic novel, movie. yeah. Yeah, you know, from the 70s or 60s Yeah, even. the kind in the supermarket. I can't, I would just, I wish, you know, you see, I remember when Blair Witch came out and uh, My Bloody Valentine and Final Destination where they had the, uh, you know, audience reactions. Like, I'd love to, like, have one of those night vision cameras when people go <laughs> into this film, especially down here in the conservative South and, like, what is this? Yeah. You see, like, the husband, like, ooh, and the, you know... Not not saying husbands or men are into it more than just saying the stereotypical viewpoint you see is like, oh, one of the couples into it, the other one's like disgusted. The other one's like, as they're walking out, still staring breakneck at the screen. (laughs) But regardless, uh, so if you finish the movie, we're about to talk about it, the actual movie itself. Because Jesse, have you seen it before, before you watched it for the podcast? No. There was the very first virgin, pardon the French, virgin viewing of Blue Velvet. (laughs) Yep. Well, let me ask you, like, seeing it for the first time, you, you, again, you didn't know it was Lynch. You just knew we were covering it, so you right. watched it while you were working. What? Right in. What were your impressions of it, seeing it for the first time? You're Daniel this week.
1: I am. Um, let's see. Where do I begin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perhaps you might talk to talk at the beginning.
1: Oh, boy. So, at first I was trying to focus on the uh, storyline, like... Um, because it kind of introduces itself as like a mystery.
0: Yeah, almost like a Hardy Boy. Right, yeah. The the book series, not the wrestlers.
1: Yeah, finding the ear in the field and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, we're going to watch a mystery movie. Find mm-hmm. out a whodunit, so to speak. Yeah. It wasn't a whodunit. <laughs> not really. Nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, they really make no secret of that. And um, so, yeah, you got to be prepared to head one way and then fork off into another direction. Mm-hmm. And... um and then after that, I really focused on the characters and stuff like that and their performances. And uh, it's an odd one. That's for sure. <laughs> um, You're about to ask me. Something.
0: No, just say, I mean, are you familiar with any of his other stuff, like Mulholland Drive? or?
1: Yeah, but it, it, it's been a long time since I've seen those two. Yeah, I mean. Like, well, I'm trying to think, what was the most recent thing I've seen? Like, probably, like, revisiting Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And that was even, like, two, three well, years was, ago.
0: yeah. Because, I mean, he's pretty much... And actually, just this past week, I remember reading an article where he had come out saying he's not going to make any more movies. He's going to focus on, like, writing, just writing stuff. But he also said he
1: was never going to do Twin Peaks again.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't can't take anything anybody in Hollywood says. You know I mean, you 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 have to take it with a grain of salt. Right, right. But he hasn't made a movie since, I think, Inland Empire or something like that, which was... What year was that?
1: When money comes calling, you know, people make different... choices (laughs)
0: choices <laughs> yeah well not uh the guy that plays Sheriff Truman in Twin Peaks because he's not coming back Lynch like because he lives in Hawaii and Lynch went to talk to him about hey why don't you come back where everybody's back on and he's just like no nah. which kind of broke my heart because he's one of my favorite characters <laughs> but uh you know we'll talk about that near the end of the episode uh because we're on the verge of the release of the, think, of the start uh... of the new season he didn't do much but he's just must like his life living in Hawaii right now
1: that is weird Like, come on, take one for the team. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, what they do with it. But anyway, yeah, Blue Velvet, um, the first time I saw it, I was like, it was like, finishing it was like, okay, I think I liked it, but I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's just, because again, this was, I was in high school, so I mean, you know, I'm not, nobody's a genius or super smart in high school. Some people are, Doogie Howser. I went to school with Dickie. You know what? You know, it was just like, okay, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Like, it felt dirty. Like, yeah. to watch, it, like, like, I, it felt like reality. Like, it felt like true reality. Like, I'm, I'm in that closet looking out at something I should not be seeing. Right. And as a viewer, you know, when, when you really kind of take yourself out of it and think about it, I was like, that's amazing. Like, to, like a movie made me feel. Uncomfortable like that, and mm-hmm. at the end of that point, that this was the first one that like I can honestly rem- think of remembering. Like I remember, I remember the first time I watched Blue Bell, yelling at the screen, <laughs> <laughs> "No, <laughs> mommy!" <laughs> you know, I'm watching it. Mom's like, "Are you all right? You're screaming my name. Like, did you <laughs> need me? No, okay, Mom. Do no. not come in. The sock is on the door." Like... <laughs> well, I don't. What does that mean, sweetie? <laughs> what does that mean? And, just go away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was you know and. I understand how why people don't like David Lynch. I completely understand, mm. you know. But and I'm I, I'm a David Lynch fan. Like I, I like watching his movies cause, and it's it's I like movies, I like all movies for the most part, obviously because we've done everything on this podcast from well I didn't like except for real do, genius, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't love it, didn't hate it, right? You know, but uh, it's one thing I like about Lynch that attracts me to his film and his style is that you you pick up something each time you watch it, there, or it's just, there's so much, and well, not so much this one per se, but like Mulholland Drive and uh, even, even Twin Peaks, you know, on my third viewing of the whole series, and it's just like every, you know, little pieces, it's so dense, it's so intricately woven that uh, even though a lot of it was by accident, uh, it's just that way of storytelling, and visually especially with him, it's so, it all, He's also a product of his time I think especially like the 80s 70s like he kind of kept that style throughout even into modern times where it feels like an older film than it actually is uh but I mean and and he know he's one of those directors that he knows what he wants at least I get that impression I don't know David Lynch <clears throat> excuse me no, that's he knows who he I wants to cast <laughs> he knows you know how he wants it to do and then I, I based on what I've read and heard and seen like about people who've worked with him and stuff, is that like he gets what he wants and he he knows what he wants and he he knows how to get it, and that's a that's a good director in my opinion. Mm. Now whether you like that director's style that's subjective, but anyway, Blue Velvet. I just and then like coming to school the next day, like dude, like, uh, have you seen Blue Velvet yet? I ain't watched it, dude. You need to watch it. You need, we. I need to talk to about this movie with somebody. Like I <laughs> need to been, know. I've need, been through something. Yeah, like I, I mean, it, you feel like. I mean I did when the first time I watched it and like my wife watched it for the first time and the first thing she said when it was over she's like what was that
1: it's not a traditional way of telling a story that's for sure
0: for sure and Um, I enjoy that well that's kind of what I was getting I kind of got sidetracked in my own mind but I like how a Lynch movie there's a lot of interpretation and there's a lot of you know subjectivism to well what does that mean what is that insinuating what do you think that is because you can you can guarantee the best, best thing about watching most David not, not talking about Dune or Elephant Man those are pretty cut and dried stories you know in a Blue Velvet and on David Lynch filmography eraser Head as well which was before all those but uh, his projects I should say his unique projects that you can guarantee you're going you're gonna to have some good conversation you, you're going to be able to talk about it and there's, you're going to have questions I like leaving a theater with questions not like a movie ending now I'm not talking about a movie that ends halfway through it like fade to black. What? <laughs> you know, there's, he's telling a story, like, he, you know in his mind that there's everything you need to know is right there. I would imagine. And that's just how he presents it. And either you're going to like it, you're going to hate it. Hmm. So that's, that's my David Lynch in a nutshell. And, you know, that's my Lynch movie. Yeah. But, uh, Blue Velvet, it's, it's not for kids. This is not, no. an, again, this is not a movie I saw in the 80s and I would never let my children watch this movie until they were, you know, in high school, as I was. I mean, you need to have a—this a, isn't—there's nothing in it for kids. They're not going to—they might laugh at the man pretending to be an animal or something yes. that the kids are interpreting. But this is—this is, this is not—you know, and like the—I the, 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 think one of the taglines is, you know, look behind the curtain. I mean, it's like—that's what's so unique. It's almost—it's uh, perverse in its voyeurism. For the film, and like you know, it's like you're getting to look behind the curtain, you're in the closet seeing something you're not supposed to see. Mm. And it that's the at least that's the feeling it got in me watching it. But bottom line is my opinion on the film is it's it's a fantastic film. I think so. It again, it's not for everybody, and you know, most people probably I say most people, but I mean it's gotta be 50-50 at least. Like I don't, this is you know, this is why I don't like David Lynch, because there's movies like this, it's garbage, it's trash, it's filth. And there's some who, no, I, you know, you see what the, it, the, the storytelling, everything comes together. And it's you're just like, okay, you, you, went on a, you went on a trip, figuratively and literally for some people, when you're watching this film. And you came out, you know, changed in a sense. When I watched it, I was like, I had a new way of looking at films, a new appreciation for films like this after I'd saw this movie. Mm. Originally, you know, when I was... 15 maybe, or no, 16, 17, I guess, and that somewhere, somewhere in that 15, 17 range. Whenever, again, whenever Lost Highway came out, it was 97. So it was like 17. Yeah, 97. yeah, you know, so, and that's when you're really kind of learning, you know, when you're a teenager in high school, that's when you're learning about the real world for right. most people. You know, some people unfortunately get it thrust upon them way sooner than that. Uh, but, you know, high school's one of those awake. you know, some people I use, you know, I'll use the term awaken. To the bigger picture in college, some do it in woke you know, early AF, <laughs> yeah, woke as <laughs> fuck, as, as people are saying right now. Yeah, but uh, you know, so. But in my opinion, Blue Velvet's a fantastic film, and as we're going to get to now with the trivia, this is what sets the stage for Twin Peaks. Hmm. If you haven't, if you're a fan of Twin Peaks and haven't seen Blue Velvet, it's almost like uh, Agent Dale Cooper's twin brother growing up in another town. <laughs> And in this strange journey, he goes on. Uh, because, you, and one thing, I, I, especially with this one, as opposed to like Mulholland-Draw, which is very ethereal almost in some of the things that happened, this one just feels like real. Like there was not, nothing happened to David Lynch in his life that was weird that didn't affect, or period, that didn't affect him in some way. Uh, like uh, the scene, I don't know, I can't remember if I wrote it down in the credits or not, but like, he was as a kid, he was walking through the neighborhood and there was just a naked woman walking through the street screaming. Like, mm. you know, something happened to her and that stayed with him forever and it, he put it in this film. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Which you should have watched already if you're listening to the podcast <laughs> or have no interest in seeing it, but hopefully you will watch it because, in my opinion, it's deserved... It's, you need to see it. If you're, if, you're, if you're a film buff, if you're a film fan, this is, some, this is a type of film that you need to see. But, uh... Yeah. Anyway, some of the trivia, uh, Isabella Rossellini was actually naked under her velvet robe when they did the scene, which we opened the podcast with, which she called the ritualistic rape scene, mm. uh, a fact that her partner, Dennis Hopper, was not aware of <laughs> at the time. And, and this is the first scene that they, that they just met this day, Jeez. first day of shooting for them. And basically, he's staring at her hoo-ha. Yeah. You know, right there. But what a. F- <laughs> we, we, if you haven't seen that scene, you just heard what you just heard at the beginning of the podcast, you need to watch it because it's disturbing. But and then taking into these are two actors, mm-hmm. you know, and they just met. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know, That's a behind the scenes tidbit. But what professionalism with the actors to do, are, I mean, a disturbing scene, mm-hmm. very disturbing scene. And that's the first time they met. Professionalism. I mean, credit to Dennis Hopper and Isabella Rossellini. Uh, this is some of the uh, what-ifs in this film are really, really interesting. Uh, several of the actors who were considered for the role of Frank found the character too repulsive and intense, which, if you've seen it, you know that's 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> However, Dennis Hopper, by contrast, is reported to have exclaimed, I've got to play Frank, because I am Frank! Why does that not really? surprise me? <laughs> There's more to this story, as you'll see coming up in this uh, some of the trivia. Uh, Isabella Rossellini's role was written by David Lynch for Debbie Harry, lead singer of Blondie, but she was sick of receiving offers to play, quote-unquote, her words, the weirdo, after she had played such a character in Videodrome, a David Cronenberg film, another famous David who does uh, very unmainstream films, so to speak, The Mm -hmm. Fly, Videodrome, Naked Lunch, uh, and turned it down because of that. uh, uh, Debbie Harry did. Uh, but the character of Frake, wa- F- Frank, Frank was to breathe helium at various intervals in David Lynch's original script. Which, oh, Mom, Daddy, baby, what the fuck? Mommy, well, mommy. So you so could sound like a kid. Yeah, well, <laughs> that makes sense. You no, know, I
1: could just but put the, an effect over it. <laughs>
0: Get the same effect. Yeah, but yeah. but at the same time, when you're watching this disturbing scene, right? You don't want to be. You you're know. gonna giggle. I mean, I would like. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, to. Like you said, you understand why it's there, but at the same time, like you, you know, you know, it's a movie. Now, if it's you're watching for comedy a, purposes, yeah. whenever people do that, yeah, I mean, there's never a serious moment where people do helium. Right. I mean, I, I mean, but he would
1: have been the first. <laughs> yeah, it, uh,
0: yeah, it, this could have been the first. However, as we talked about how Dennis Hopper said, that he is Frank." Dennis Hopper is the one who suggested that this be changed to amyl nitrate, which he knew somehow was used <laughs> to enhance sexual experiences. Hopper only realized years later how bizarre the concept of a helium-breathing maniac talking with a high voice was. Lynch, however, felt that using the helium might elicit laughter in the audience, which would have been undesirable for the scene.
1: You know what? I wonder what that would have sounded like if he was actually breathing helium. Hmm. Actually,
0: there's going to be some time here until he inhales it.
1: Right. <laughs> but we get to hear his regular voice first. Don't you
0: fucking look at me? Sorry, sorry, Dennis. I mean Frank, Mr. <laughs> Booth. And just as a filmmaker, there's you know, you have the cutaway helm, you have that master shot, and then you have the close... It's, mm-hmm. it's just those three shots. That's all he needed. And here we go. Dilu dilu <laughs> That's not, like i'm not laughing <laughs> no, i'm not laughing it's actually <laughs> wants <to> fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that would have <laughs> worked I, I think it would have yeah, <laughs> Of course we're here you, <laughs> we'll do the research of course you, you're gonna have people that would laugh sure but because of <laughs> those performances because of what's happening that's a credit to them i would say that that but, of course, I guess back then it was they couldn't, like, exactly do that. To and see. also,
1: yeah, all the words he's saying makes sense that he... Yeah, I get why he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he wants just, to sound like a crying baby. You yeah. Know? Okay, yeah, it, it works. Work. I think it back...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. We talked about Scarface had, like, 200 or something plus fucks in it. Dennis Hopper says fuck in nearly every single sentence in this film. He is also the only one to use the word in the film, except for Dean Stockwell, who says it once, although he's commanded by Dennis Hopper's character to say it. The word fuck is used 56 times in this film. And Dennis Hopper's screen time, two-hour, four-minute movie, I believe. He's maybe in it for 10 minutes. Total screen time, maybe. Maybe a little more than that. But he says it 56 times. To go back so.
1: to the helium thing, I'm reading people's comments on this thing, and Kevin Fucking Spacey, not the actual Kevin Spacey. Uh, Are we sure about that <laughs> though, Jesse? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that's his name. <laughs> like, who's know, gonna suspect like, that? If I was a celebrity on Twitter, <laughs> my handle wouldn't be the real Trey Harris; it'd be Trey Fucking yeah. Harris. <laughs> yeah, you could get away with anything.
1: But yeah, he says honestly, David Lynch could have totally gotten away with this. Okay, I agree. Like right. after
0: after seeing it, like it does not; it makes it creepier. Yeah, he it could, really does.
1: Yeah, and he would have, uh, you know, maybe even added a few little things to that to, mm-hmm. you know, keep it on the right path. But
0: And just imagine what Hopper would have done had he yeah. actually been sounding like that. I mean, yeah, because wow. you can
1: make it go away really quick if you breathe yeah. heavy. And, you know, and once he starts getting serious later on in that scene, he could do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah,
0: it's. Uh, I like it.
1: Yeah, a I lot like of it. it's not really mixed here. A lot of people are for it. Crazy.
0: Okay, now let's talk. Now it's, this is an '80s film, so mm-hmm. practical effects, no CG. There's one thing in the film that's really distracting, uh, and it's that bird at the end. To me, and this also <laughs> this was the first time I watched this film in 1080p, so high definition for the first time. That bird is fake as fuck. No kidding. However, <laughs> in Jonathan Ross presents for one week only. Hi, uh. David Lynch, 1990. So it must be, I don't know if it's Jonathan Ross. I don't know if it's a comedian, or I, don't know who, I don't know what this is, but he had David Lynch on the show. Lynch claims that the robin in the final scene is a real bird. When told that it looks like an artificial bird, Lynch says, quote, well, it's playing a role. And then smiled. Come on. So, <laughs> yeah, that bird was very fake. Yeah. Or maybe Lynch got that performance. All right, all right he's talking to the robin, like, I need you to look robotic here. That's, I don't know how David Lynch, he doesn't talk like that at all. He talks like this. Yeah. Can you hear me? This is David Lynch. Bird, I need you to look like an animatronic <laughs> robot. Can you hear me? Nah, Bird's fake is fine. <laughs> it's bad, bad. It's so bad. bad. But uh, anyway, <laughs> but he claimed it wasn't. Again, I don't I, knowing David Lynch's personality, I'm not sure how, it, you know, you, can, you can't tell if he's joking or not. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. But uh, again, another what if, tying into last episodes, because we love Val Kilber. The role of Jeffrey was originally offered to Val Kilmer, who turned it down, and he, quote as, he was quoted as describing the script he read as, quote, pornography, although he says he would have done the version, <clears throat> excuse me, that made it to the screen. Wow. Makes me want to see, I guess, the, the description of what was happening in the script was a little, quote, to quote Val, pornographic, as opposed to what actually ended up being shot. But uh, I want to say, I don't think I wrote it down in the notes, but I think, oh, yeah, okay, I do have it. I'll, I'll skip to this one. He cut, uh, Lynch cut the film down from four hour, an original four-hour running time, which Lynch shoots everything. There are, like, three different versions of Dune. There's a theatrical that's, like, two. There's, like, a three-hour version, and there's, like, the four-hour version. So he likes to shoot, and sometimes you need it with a Lynch film. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so, he, of course, he got the film. Uh, actually, uh, Blue Velvet is literally one frame short of two hours in length. Uh, despite many searches, the missing two hours of deleted scenes were thought to be lost until early 2011. Lynch announced that some footage had been found and the 2011 Blu-ray release features 50 minutes of those deleted scenes. Now I want to track down the Blu-ray wow. to see that. Because uh, if you're a Twin Peaks fan, uh, on the, in either of the box sets they have, uh, they have what's called the missing pieces for Fire Walk With Me, which has like an hour and a half of deleted scenes from the movie. Some of which are really awesome and then some of which are like, okay, yeah, didn't need it. Because it's Lynch. Uh, let's see. What is it? On Blu-ray from... Oh, is it out of print? Oh, never no, mind. Ate... I thought it said 80. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's probably used, but I mean, it's... Oh, yeah.
0: 12 bucks. I'll pay that to watch the 50... Unless it's on You won't get it unless for it's like on a YouTube. month, but... Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, that's the European version? Or... Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Kill Blinks. But uh, let's see. Uh, oh, another what if. Molly Ringwald, of all people, was originally offered the role of Sandy... But her mother objected to her starring in it due to the graphic content of the film. So, thus, <laughs> Laura Dern was cast instead because Bruce Dern didn't give a fuck what his daughter was doing. <laughs> you got salt, Django. Every time I think of Bruce Dern, I think of that line from Django. But of course, he was even better in uh, Hateful Eight.
1: He let her run around with dinosaurs.
0: Yeah. What a, <laughs> well, she was a grown woman at that point. Right, right. She was supposed to be a teenager in this film. <laughs> How old is Bruce Stern these days? 1936, wow, yeah. He looks at, He looks every every mm-hmm. year. <laughs> but uh, let's see, of course, I mentioned it was the inspiration for Twin Peaks. Uh, the scene in which Jeffrey and Frank go driving off uh, uh, from uh, Isabel Dor- Dorothy's apartment, uh, that whole scene when they're in the car, all that is is stagehands rocking the car while others ran past with lights in their hands to, uh, for the illusion of movement. Mm-hmm. And I did read this before watching it, and when you watch it, 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 it's not apparent that that's what it is. Like, obviously, they're not really moving, but it doesn't have that fake feel. It feels like, you know, it doesn't detract like, oh, they're not moving. It's done well enough to where it's not like, oh, there's, there, there's a dude walking by with a, a light pretending to be in motion. <laughs> I thought, at least. Uh, David Lynch, he's, he's one of the directors who, you know, like Tarantino, or James Gunn especially, uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. You know, the music is a huge part of it. And he r- originally wanted Song to the Siren by This Mortal Coil, which is a cover of a Ted Buckley song, by the way, if you've never heard Ted Buckley's version. Uh, it's very good. Uh, it's the original version, of course, obviously. Ted Buckley is Jeff Buckley's father, by the way, if you didn't know that. And I only mention that because Ted Buckley died young, and Jeff Buckley died young. It's a great biopic story waiting to be told. So if you need me and Jesse to write it, we'll do some research uh, <laughs> You know, because if Aaron Sorkin's too busy, you know, we can, we can crank it out. Uh, I got to sign a contract first. Yeah. We need to, you know, we, we're talking six figures here. But, uh, you know, that's, hey, that's a going rate, right, right? For, you know, <laughs> people, geniuses such as us. Whatever. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> one day. But anyway, uh, when Jeffrey and Sandy are dancing in the bar because it was one of his all-time favorite songs. Uh, however, he could not get the rights to use it uh, for Blue Velvet. Uh, however, he was on the soundtrack for the aforementioned Lost Highway. So all you little young'uns, when you saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake trailer, like, oh, what's that song in the trailer? That sounds cool. Yeah, it was on the Lost Highway soundtrack. It was This Mortal Coil, Song to the Siren, remake of a Ted Buckley song. Hmm. Many years before. You millennial fucks. Just kidding. We love our millennial viewer, listeners. viewers. Listeners, just messing with you. We like to pick on you because we're old and ordinary now. Well, at least I am. I can't speak for Jesse. You know, kids <laughs> don't know how easy you got it these days. But, uh... Let's see. Oh, also, this is, I thought, this is really funny. The, like, had Dennis Hopper still be alive, this could be a movie in itself. This is the second film in which Dennis Hopper plays a character named Frank. It, throughout his career, he would play seven completely unrelated characters named Frank. Wow. That's a movie. And it should have been directed by David Lynch with Dennis Hopper's all these different Franks. <laughs> it could have been called Split. Oh, wait, damn it. He has 203
1: Shit. credits, though. Yeah. So, seven, you
0: said? Yeah, that's still a lot. It's still a lot, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of other actors that played, like, same-name characters, but I can't think of any offhand. I'm sure, of course, it happens to many actors, but seven, that's a lot. That's a big number.
1: Oh, well, Frank Sinatra, he played, uh, so that's one Frank.
0: And Frank Booth, Frank Sinatra... The, well, he wasn't Straight a Frank Shooter and speed. Frank
1: Hector, Frank Slater and Meet the Deedles, Frankie, Last Days of Frankie the Fly, Blue Velvet, Frank Booth, Public Defender, Frank Terry. Hmm.
0: Cool. Okay, is Dennis Hopper's middle name Frank? Is he one of those actors like, I gotta be called Frank, I, I can't respond unless I'm called Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Frank Francis Dennis. Hopper.
1: <laughs> Let's see, right. his name is...
0: Dennis Lee Hopper. Okay, Please. it was just a, it was a conspiracy theory. That didn't pan out. Didn't pan out at all. Yep. Anyway, Jesse, if you had to score this film, what would you give Blue Velvet?
1: Hmm. Boy, what a weird thing to do. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm hanging.
0: There's no wrong answers here.
1: I know there isn't. Um,
0: I'm just saying it for the listeners, in I'm case they like one. Hanging about
1: a six and a half. Mm-hmm. It's it's um. It falls short for me on some story parts. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, some of the storytelling was uh, the characters took the uh, precedence over the story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards a six and a half. Gotcha. Uh,
0: My personal score, I give it a nine. And let me explain. Of course, A, we do movies on this podcast that I liked. Mm-hmm. for the most part, that that meant something to me. And as I mentioned before, this was a film that really it's always, it's one of those films that stays with, uh, it stayed with me, seeing it like wow, that was yeah, that but... was heavy. So it was very influential on me at a younger age, to where like, you know, I, I, I was interested in this, you know, this darker side of cinema. And not darker in like Jason Voorhees hacking people up or right. Faces of Death or something, but this this different style of, you know, this isn't Spielberg. This is, yeah. you know, this is, you know, you know, you got Spielberg on the right. You got Kubrick on the left. This is the far left of Kubrick. Yeah. I mean, this is Lynch's, he's in a ca- uh, class all his own. I just don't see myself coming back to revisit it. Like, I really
1: appreciate all the stuff that's in it. It's um like if something's like an eight or higher, then that means I could
0: just turn it on and keep watching it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's your, that's your. For you know, sure. That's your. Yeah. Like I'll give a movie a 10. Like, you know, I would say, like, Jaws is a 10 to me. Yeah. Well, Grant, I can watch that a million times. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm there's some think... things out there. Like,
1: whenever we were talking about um, It's Always Sunny, that first episode. Oh, yeah. As soon as I was done, I watched it again. Mm-hmm. That has to be a 10 for me, or yeah. something like that. Um, this one, I was like, I really enjoyed it. But then the further factors had to be put in, Cause like, would I watch it again anytime soon? Yeah. Probably not. I mean... Because it's not going to hit me the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So well, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example of like a movie I would say is a 10 to me, but I'm not going to watch it much anymore. You know, so yeah. that's that's a good, I've really got to think about that.
1: Yeah. It, it's taking the, uh, the I mean, one would, to 10 scale and then applying it to, okay, well, how about after five viewings? Is it still going to be that?
0: Yeah. So. Like, I'm repeat it. Like, you know, we, I talked, we had done this on the podcast before where I give, I, I started for, we give two scores mm-hmm. for a while, but it's just, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, kind of totally dropped that ball. You know, but to me, it's this is a particular... Like, Mulholland Drive, like, the first time I saw it, I would give it, like, a, a five. Like, okay, I'm, you. I'm know, but it's a it's a, it's a Lynch film. Got to watch it again and again. Like, now I really like Mulholland Drive because I've seen it, mm-hmm. like, four or five times.
1: And maybe that's something. Maybe I'm missing some stuff here, but I mean... It could be, but I mean... But I still enjoyed it. I'm yeah. not saying I didn't enjoy it. It's just I'm not going to keep watching it, too. Yeah, and... I don't feel the need to dig deeper in this, yeah. you know, so...
0: There's... This isn't one. I mean, you could, right? You you definitely oh, could, sure. but yeah. there. But as opposed to like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive, as a, compared to those, this was pretty cut and dried, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean this this is one of those like in, you know, because you can have, like for example, Smells Like Teen Spirit is a was a hugely influential song on most people my age, you know. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one that. I, I'm I'm singing it in the hallway of school and then the quarterback of the football team's like, oh, yeah, man, Nirvana, yeah. You know, it bridged social right. gaps. I mean, it was, it did so many things. But then, you know, it led to people to Pearl Jam. It led them to Allison Chains. It led them to Soundgarden. You know, it was, because that's what it was at the time. It, 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 it was a big thing. Now, in hindsight, I still love Nirvana, but they're not the band. Like, you know, Dave Grohl has proven to be the, you know, even had Kurt Cobain lived, Grohl is, you know, he's the true he's talent. Star. Yeah. Uh, which we might never have seen. I'm not saying, you know, don't take it's the wrong way, anybody. But no, no, no. You know, you know what I'm saying? I've said the same thing. You know? But, you know, but... Uh, what I'm getting at is that in hindsight, like, you know, as a band, Nirvana really wasn't... They weren't as good as their success was, in a sense. You don't, not you know? All your Nirvana, no, not, I, know I what love you're Nirvana. Saying. I love Nirvana saying. to death. hugely influential. When they were. It was something new. But I like Pro Jam better. I like Soundgarden better than Nirvana. I like Alice in Chains better than Nirvana. But however, yeah. I can't deny like I was sitting at my friend Jason's house and he got the single mm-hmm. for "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Like, dude, you gotta listen. Like, dude, this song is awesome. And like, I mean, we listened to it over and over and, oh, over, and over and over and over and over like a million times. Like, oh my, like this is like what is, Like this is. So new, and it, yeah. and it it was an atom bomb in culture in terms of that musical movement. And thankfully, that musical movement was a good musical movement. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, we haven't had have one of those in a while. Yeah, hopefully, we'll get something. You know, I don't know. that's another mm-hmm. talk. But anyway, you know, so Blue Velvet is a big film in like my Hall of Fame. Like yeah. you know, it's like this is a film that you know stayed with Trey and. You know, change his perspective on things. Yeah. You know, it's done. Smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You know you what know, I'm saying? It's like I'm, You know, nowadays, you know, when I do listen to vinyl, I don't listen to you know, Smells Like Teen yeah, Spirit. Yeah, I don't either. I listen to some of their other stuff that was yeah. better than that song. The Unplugged album or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a, a lot, a lot of songs. That's not even their like. You know, that's their most popular song, but yeah. it, you know, that's not their best song. I mean, it's three freaking chords. <laughs> you know, it's one. Of the, it's one of those songs that drummers can play, in a band. Four chords, actually. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, four. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Uh, you know, so, uh, but anyway, you know, I give this movie a nine because it was, and it, it, no matter what you give any movie, you know, whether you're a podcast host like some of our friends or, you know, you're talking to your friends, that's, don't let people, we have people in our circle of friends mm-hmm. that if we're all at a party and one of our friends, let's call him <laughs> Tom, says that they loved or they hated, Okay, let's say subject A is the person who, you know, is unsure of their own opinion that, I'm, that we're talking about. You know, like, oh, I loved uh, Batman versus Superman. It was awesome. But then Tom comes over and, like, we're talking. Man, I hated that movie. And then person A is like, yeah, it was all right. I think I know the two people. Here. You, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> all I'm saying is if you have an opinion on something, Right. You know, whether you're a six and a half on Blue Velvet or a nine, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Be true to your opinions on something. Don't, you know, don't be afraid. You gave that piece of shit a 10? Right. Yeah, I fucking like that movie. You got a problem that's with it?
1: That's the other thing, though. You can also find appreciation in all forms of art. Exactly. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. <laughs> Deadly Prey. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, and so... We any, like these things. Yeah, anybody that's going, oh, I, I, I can't like a film after watching Casablanca. Yeah. You know. You're right, The Casablanca is an amazing film. There's nothing wrong with that. But did it you're letting it run other killed films for you? movies for you. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Maybe me, they came let, out what? 1934 or yeah. something. You know, Robert McKee thinks it's the greatest film ever made and I, there's no there's no wrong answer to these questions. There right. is no definitive... there's no god did not come down and give to Moses the top 10 films of all time. Right. And there's you know there's there's debating this. That's why they're still making them. Yeah. So my point is, you know, and David Lynch is one of these people that you're going to ha- you know, you could be at a bar with your friends and some, and like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, oh, dude, you seen Twin Peaks? And you're going to have three, you know, you're going to have a group of 10 people. Five are going to say, oh, man, it was so good, blah, blah, blah. Did you, re- have you seen the originals? Then you have the other people who will be like either, oh, it's, I don't, that's just too weird for me. And you're like, yeah. I couldn't get into it or, yeah. you know, which there's no wrong answers. Yeah, You know, everybody says, Trey, you, you would love Lost. Yeah, it's like eight seasons, and I ain't got time to watch eight 24-episode <laughs> seasons. Wikipedia sufficed. I, w- I watched it while I was sick. <laughs> How long were you sick for? Like four days. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> I could see, like, that, that gif with uh the formulas coming towards Zach Galifianakis' face, like just yeah. watching Lost in, in four days. Yeah. Just, you <laughs> know... I see it. Yeah, I see. Yeah. But all I'm getting at, you know, Lynch's. I watch as... like four episodes at once. <laughs> like four screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> taking... <laughs> you're one of those people. I'm telling You're in. Brain man. Yeah. But uh all I'm getting, you know, super huge tangent here, but just is that, like, you know, when you're watching any of the films on the podcast, you might think Xanadu is the best damn thing ever made. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're not wrong, but I'll disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but neither of us are wrong and neither of us are right. So, you know. Don't be too hard on the people who dismiss Lynch, but also understand that most people just don't get it.
1: Tell us what your favorite uh, d- debatably good movie is. Yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: <laughs> 80s, at, at 80s Visit on Twitter, 80s Visit at gmail.com, all those other sort of... Uh, at Awesome Pods on Facebook, at also 80s Visit on Twitter. Something like that. Okay, Google yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we're there. i do just Google it. I mean, you're listen to us now. There's plenty yeah. of ways, you links You the very us. page. But uh, anyway... That about does it for David Lynch. Uh, watch Twin Peaks. It's coming back. Yeah. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I think it will be the week, the day it comes out, actually. Possibly.
1: It, today is the 14th of May.
0: The, oh, yeah, for you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> one week out from Twin Peaks coming back. Because it comes out the weekend before we go to Dallas. Uh, the, 21st, the 21st, then. Yeah. Might so calendars. Uh, you have a week to catch up. If you haven't seen Twin Peaks, you have a it's week. It's on Showtime, week. isn't it? Uh, it's coming on... Yeah, the new series yeah. is on Showtime. However, the original series is all on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think Firewalk With Me is, but... Nope. Uh, you can watch... If, just catch up on the series and you can watch that later. Might be on YouTube. Possibly. Because uh, the series is only like 29, 30 episodes, I believe, something like that. So you have time to watch. You got to binge it, but you can binge it all the way before the new season comes up. Because... Uh, uh, most of the original cast is returning I am stoked for it we're, we have a viewing party for it uh, Twin Peaks is one of those series and uh, for like me and uh, me and my friend Perry and me and my friend Jason who me and Jason were Lynch fans and then met Perry later on and we all oh, you like Lynch too and then you know we all watched Fire Walk with Me together when it came out and you know it was mm-hmm. we all became fans or we had a short enjoyed filmed.
1: it kind of based on it
0: yeah <laughs> maybe there'll be a sequel to that but <laughs> yeah <right there. laughs> Uh, between uh, you know what that means, but anyway, yeah. uh, yeah, there's still time, uh, if you haven't, to check out Twin Peaks, and that's what's good, that's what uh, most people should be watching if you haven't. But uh, mentioned last week there was a film I was saving for this week to talk about. Uh, got to see, or I finally saw Get Out. Uh, I saw that too. Oh, yeah, you did awesome! Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I did too. What, like, I didn't know what to expect going into it, which is always a good thing. I didn't either, for I avoided like spoilers, movie. like, I knew nothing. I just knew, like, the only thing I heard about it was like. The discussion on race that you need to have, like, so that's the only thing I heard. Like, blurbs that you know, a that, lot of
1: uh comedians went to go see it because you know, their buddy, directed yeah, it. Peel. yeah. And so, anytime I'd listen to a podcast with a comedian on it and that came up, I'd oh, turn it off <laughs> because I hadn't seen it yet. And um, yeah, yeah, I was I was glad that Jordan Peele was the director for
0: that he did a fantastic yeah. job. I mean, what a it was Hitchcockian and shalama, lama, ding dong ish, and it's uh structure I mean he did a fantastic job with the tension the mist like what like the the oddness the quirk you know there were little hints of lynch in there even I mean Oh for sure it was it was so well done and we this is a ra- this the America right now is racially charged especially our area right now because we live in Baton Rouge the Alton Sterling case and all that is continually evolving mm-hmm. in our neighborhood right now and I'm sure there are people out there that didn't go see this movie because they might have heard that they might they, that it's something they might not want to see mm. or hear talk about. No, it's not. It's a fantastic film that deals with nothing more than honestly awkwardness. Yeah, you know it's it's as simple as that, and it, it's genuine in that you're watching. Like I've seen people do that all the time. You know that that and it's it's done. There's no heavy-handed message here. This is not a Spike Lee joint. This is a well-crafted horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it it's it's awesome. I thir- like the whole time I was like, I enjoyed every second of it. Like as and I'm a horror fan, and honestly, I thought it might be a li- I thought it might be a little horror comedy because Jordan Peele was doing. it. I thought it might be too. You know, yeah. I thought it was gonna have nah nah. It's it's it's, it's good.
1: A, yeah. The comedy in there is no more than any other other horror director would have put in.
0: Yeah, it's there's I I, thir- I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, there's hints of comedy in the, uh, you know, supporting characters and stuff. Yeah, like but
0: that. it's nothing. It's not like Jar Jar Binks showing up and running scenes. Right. It's it's, <laughs> it's very organic and just it's fucking creepy. Like it was just because like, you're there is like you're you're trying to you, know, excuse me, you know, as you're learning what the... You're, you're you're going on the journey with the main character, who you might if you if you're wondering where you've seen him before, I was like God, I've I've seen this guy in something. Uh for me he was in the episode of Black Mirror with the uh the credits we have to walk on the treadmill or ride the bike to earn credits.
1: He's married to um the mother from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, I believe. Wait, the the main character? Uh the guy we're looking at now. Oh, who's that? Uh we, who played the dad? Oh, the
0: dad? Oh yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah cuz he, he was, in was the, the West Wing. But yeah, yeah,
1: he's married to uh yeah, the mother.
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's we're talking about the main I, actor, the, it's like the main only character? Thing yeah, the main character. I don't know what I
0: recognize him from.
1: It was Black Mirror for
0: me because, like, I was like, I've seen this guy like recently, like in a big role.
1: Oh, I remember Johnny English Reborn. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, when it also was in Kick Ass two and Sicario, Black uh, Death, which I didn't. I saw Kick Ass two once. There's another rewatchability because there's no Nick Cage in it.
1: R- right, I, I, yeah, that and but we did get Jim Carrey, but it wasn't he was great, enough to but it,
0: keep me in there. Yeah, Nick Cage. First one,
1: first one was way better. Yeah, I yeah. In
0: so. the fire, <laughs> ah, John. John it's like, God, he's so good in that movie. Speaking of
1: which, I don't mean to bring this up on like podcast, but I am. Yeah. But Nick Cage month. Why is that not a thing? Because <laughs> vampires kiss. There's so many memes to that. <laughs> one day for his one birthday. Day. Yeah,
0: it's just I fell in love with Nicolas Cage in the '90s.
1: Oh uh, well, you know.
0: I mean, to me, his best work was in the '90s. Right. Personally, that's where he became. The ca- oh, of course. That's where he's the Cage we know. Yeah,
1: you know, everybody uh-huh. has their origin
0: story, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Raising yeah. Arizona. I mean, Raising Arizona is fantastic.
1: Raising Arizona and Vampire's Kiss. Uh, oh, we just did something from that woman that directed a real genius, Valley Girl. Uh, yeah. And uh, what else? I don't know. There's something well,
0: there's else. There's plenty. I mean, he, he's been <laughs> acting for a long time.
1: We already covered uh,
0: Fast Times. No, we didn't. Oh, we didn't? We've never done that. Well, there's one.
1: He's I'm, barely in it, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: he is in it. So I might have to use that as the, the doorway. <laughs> Open the door. I could have sort of did that.
1: That's, mm-hmm. how, that's how it gets when you're at episode 177. Yeah. Or like, i all like, oh, I need
0: this. And then i have to like, wait, did we do this? I'll have to go back to the feed on iTunes. Okay, we haven't. Moonstruck. Peg Stop out, out of it. Yeah, there's there's a couple there. of oh, there's plenty for with his resume. Yeah. So but yeah, get out, uh best horror movie I've seen in a long time, personally. Uh highly recommend it. Very it's a Did you it,
1: consider split horror?
0: To me that's more like thriller.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel too many moments. Like of so, some
0: people say silence of the lambs is horror. To me that's more thriller to me. Mm. I mean I, I I won't disagree that it's a horror movie. Like you know, if it's in a horror section, I oh, I'm not going to take it out of the horror section and put it in the thriller section. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the shut up, be-hair. You know, because like a friend of ours doesn't think Jaws is a horror movie, but it is. I mean, it's a horror thriller.
1: I mean, it, it's it's multi-genre. Yeah, split, split as horror
0: thriller. But to me, it's a it's a bit. You know, th- there are horror elements in it, but on the you know on the scale, I'd say it's seventy thriller, thirty horror.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, because the horror is just the almost just the setup, and then the rest of the film is dealing with him. And to me, that's the more like, the thriller aspect of like them escaping. But I mean, let's be honest. A th- most thrillers can you can say they're a horror movie. I mean, thriller thriller is basically a subgenre of horror. Yeah. In my I mean, if you want to break it down, in uh, it's also a fun word to say thriller. Yeah, and also there's <laughs> a great song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thriller, thriller film. But uh. I really think Get Out, I think a lot of people are skip. Might, maybe not. It's still playing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a success, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. It deserves it because it's, it's a great film. 172 million so far. But let's be honest, there people out there, they're not going to go see it because they think it's not. Yeah, it's not they're they're, they're going to have a false interpretation of the movie on either side because uh, that's just, that. unfortunately, that's the way American society is these days. And it, it's, it sucks, but that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Like Tupac says, it's way. Hey, it's the way it is. But uh, back to the future, if we talk about Get Out, uh, yeah, covered most of everything we talked about last week. So that was a big one for me this week since we record them two at a time. <laughs> so <laughs> But yeah, you know, give us your thoughts on, uh, you know, your David Lynch films, all your stuff. You know how to reach us, 80s to visit at gmail.com, all that. Uh, and also, shout outs as always to our friends near and far, John and James, and Now versus Nostalgia. Still waiting for some new episodes, John. I know you promised me they were coming, so. eagerly anticipating you guys to get back into the groove. And also our friends in Tasmania, uh, Ben Wyatt, the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt with the Asia Mania podcast. He's cranking them out like clockwork as usual. And next week, I need need something to mentally get out of a David Lynch frame of mind. So we're going to do one of my favorite comedies of the 80s, One Crazy Summer. So if you haven't seen that one, that's your homework. And if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, you need to watch it. It's fantastic. It's a great comedy that uh, it's it's I didn't see it, I saw it once as a kid and I always remembered one scene about it. But then it was my friend Jason who was like, yeah, that movie, like I have it, and like he had it on VHS. Was like, oh, we have, to, oh, can I borrow it? And I really like, like the cute 80s
1: films. You really do. I do. Yeah, yeah, especially that other one that Better Off Dead. <laughs> oh yeah, Better
0: Off Dead's fantastic. That one I revisit every once in a while. Well, you know what? Maybe we should save one crazy summer and do a Q. Oh, do month. both. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, I mean that's that's his bread and butter i mean maze. he's got tons of 80s oh big, yeah but yeah yeah say anything's one of autumn's favorites of course because it's iconic scene you not stand by me i don't even remember that. He was one of the punks with uh keeper Oh uh, okay bit role small role
1: it's be, yeah Kiefer canceled baton rouge trip
0: by the way oh yeah. sorry podcast listeners <laughs> sorry. although uh strangely enough uh last week uh they're re-releasing the creep show comic book Mm. Like the you know with the the replica from the movie with the comics that were originally in the '80s, they released in like a, a you know a 64 page graphic novel of it, but it's the the cover is the actual cover from the the film one. So like oh I got I gotta have this on my shelf, you know it's a Halloween decoration if anything. So ordered it on Amazon, you know Amazon Prime get it this Tuesday or last Tuesday I should say when you're listening to this uh, May 9th free shipping free two day shipping get it release day, but anyway. In a strange serendipitous moment, uh, the Creepshow Museum contacted me last week as well. Just Mm -hmm. said, "Hey, I know we talked back in October uh, about like doing an interview, and you know we got really busy. Sorry we didn't get back to you, but they they're still up for an interview, so we should have that lined up sometime soon." So I told them, "Hey, once you you know when we cover Creepshow two, let me you know in a few months or because we got the next few episodes lined up, we'll get back in touch with you. So we should have that interview coming up on the podcast soon as well." So since we can't get Kiefer. Or, you know, John Cherry with uh, the Ernest movies. We'll settle for uh, Creepshow Museum, which is in our backyard. Well, we say our backyard, but our home state. So, keep right. it local and all that. Which Yeah, is... when we start the 80s Revisited
1: YouTube channel, we'll go
0: visit. Yeah, it. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, all that coming up on 80s Revisited. But again, next week, One Crazy Summer. If you haven't seen that uh, Cusack classic, as I'll call it, uh, I honestly think it's his best 80s movie. And I, I, I do love Better Off Dead as well. But mm-hmm. One Crazy Summer has that. Surreal, I gotta watch it. Comedic vibe. You'll mm-hmm. if, if you like Q 80s movies, you'll love it. Yeah, uh, surprise guest. Uh, just so you're, uh, no, no, you don't know nothing about it, watch it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna jump into it. It's good, it's great, love it. Uh, spoiler for next week. <laughs> Trey <laughs> likes the movie that they're doing, but is that really a <laughs> spoiler? It's more of a spoiler if I tell you I'm not liking the movie that we're doing next week because yeah. I tend to like every movie because I, I pick which movies. will spoil that too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not a problem. So, but anyway, we'll talk to everybody next week. And until then, I remain Trey Harris. <laughs>
1: Baby Jesse Sedgwick. <laughs> 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 calabunga, mommy! <Bobby! laughs> Baby
0: wants the calabunga. <laughs> they should do a. They should do a version of it when he when he starts breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and then like do the Vader voice like hi, <laughs>
1: yeah he plays the wrong the stuff that. Mommy, was. I am your daddy.
0: <laughs> <Mommy>. <laughs> uh. <laughs>